Hello and welcome back to the Chris Massacre on the Graveyard Shift, the weekly horror podcast where we take Christmas movies and break them down into the good, the bad, and anything else that we find fun and or relevant. My name is Mike and I never work the Chris Massacre Shift alone. Joining me is the guy who would stick it in crazy but probably not make that crazy responsible for the lives of his children, John. <laughs> ah yes, just don't don't ask me to pay for the child support, all right? <laughs> also joining us is the woman who grew up with a religious family but only came out half as murdery, Alicia. Well, hello there. Hail and hello. I promise <laughs> I am not the crazy in the don't stick in the crazy. At least not anymore. Drugs work, kids. <laughs> That's the lesson of this movie basically. Drugs work. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Say yes to drugs, if they're prescription. Yes. <laughs> uh, and today's episode is Ordinary People Meets The Shining, because we watched The Lodge. That's this... perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It definitely had a lot of Shining vibes, for sure. Oh, boy. Uh, this was directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Friala. Written by Sergio Kasky. Veronica France and Severin Fiala, which sounds like a spell from Harry Potter. <laughs> Severin Fiala. <laughs> Leviosa. 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 You'll be a superstar. <laughs> you got like the one wizard like sticking their hands under their armpits under their cloak. Yes. <laughs> What's her deal? Don't don't just don't fucking talk to her, Harry. She's she's a mess. She's from America. <laughs> Why is she in Hogwarts? They really didn't want her there. Mm-hmm. She was too crazy for Hogwarts. <laughs> we we just float her by. She hangs by with the tree. She stares at uh, uh, she Malfoy, and she, you know she just follows him around. Right. But you know she's his problem. Right. Myrtle thinks she's crazy. Well, <laughs> she was at Hogwarts, but really where she would should have been was Warthogs. <laughs> oh my god, Moaning Myrtle basically was the superstar of Hogwarts, wasn't she? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> she does have vague Molly Shannon vibes, British Molly Shannon. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, this was produced by Simon Oakes. Aliza James, Aaron Ryder, with cinematography by Thimios Bakatakis. I, you know, I think I tried Bakatakis once. It was a little spicy. That sounds like one of the city names in New York that you were looking at earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's right next to Greece. It's next to Greece. It's right above Schenectady. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Schenectady. This is edited by Michael Palm. Music by Danny Bensey and Sonder Jurians. Produced by Film Nation Entertainment and Hammer Film Productions. That's right. It's a Hammer movie. For those, oh. of, you not, for not, uh, those of you not aware, Hammer was a studio that made a bunch of shit-tastically great movies <laughs> from the uh, 50s to the 70s, and then they kind of went defunct. But they were recently resurrected, and their first foray after, uh, I mean, basically it's a new company that just bought the Hammer name, but they've done the name Proud with the movies that we've covered, uh, at least 
I don't know if we covered uh, the one I saw, but it was the first movie that they got, uh, that they put out since their resurrection. And that was uh, Let the Right One In. Which, oh. if you haven't seen it, is the one about uh, the kid who makes friends with a girl who happens to be a vampire. That's yeah, I've heard of that one, yes. Never it is it. excellent. And if we haven't done it on the show, we definitely should. It was a true return to form for Hammer, being uh, high-quality horror films, which, you know, is, is, is a biased decision because Hammer put out some really shitty ones once the 70s rolled around. It, it's clear that the, the death knell was on the wall, like, they weren't doing good in the writing department. And even Christopher Lee, who was in like a couple of Hammer movies in the 70s, in one of those movies, he didn't speak at all because he said all this dialogue is garbage. Hmm. But he, wow. he was, I guess he was still friends with the producer. So he's just like, out of kindness to you, I'll show up. But no amount of kindness, no amount of friendship can, can cash in making me read this drivel. Oh, boy. <laughs> So, yeah. I mean, like, the, one of the last Hammer movies made was, like, uh, The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which was when they tried, which is when they teamed up with a, uh, with a Chinese studio to try to cash in on the, uh, the kung fu craze that was going around. And even Christopher Lee's like, no. <laughs> so they had someone else play Dracula instead. But Peter Cushing was just like, you know what? I still need work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So not everyone was kung fu fighting then. No, no, Christopher Lee was not kung fu fighting. Sadly, yeah, which, he was not. Yeah, if, exactly. if you remember uh, his scene in uh, Dracula, nineteen fifty-eight, he does clear an entire flight of stairs just by leaping over the banister like a fucking ninja. So if they had him twenty years younger, I'm sure just for the fun of it, he would have gotten in on that. Oh, for sure. I mean, he definitely had the agility. Like, he, he was skinny as fuck and, and always looked a little malnourished. But, you know, you know the guy could come up, the guy could put out some bursts of energy. He, he was spry when needed. So, you know, before the cigarettes and, uh, you know, the, the crushing reality of life withered him away to nothing. He was, uh, I, I would have I loved to see him try to get in on the Kung Fu shit. Even if it's like, you know, someone else's game, but he's, he's like Raiden. He, like, gathers all the fighters, and only at the end does he get, like, one fight in. But he's like, no, 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 this is really for the mortals. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just love the fact that when he played Grand Moff Tarkin in Star Wars, they never shot him above the legs because he was just wearing slippers. Because <laughs> I guess, like, the boots hurt his feet, and he's like, I don't want to be in pain. And George just looks like, I, I will not put you in pain. I just won't shoot you above the legs. You can wear fucking bunny slippers. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just I'm just glad you're here. So this movie was uh yeah, so this movie is a hammer film. And uh I gotta say it really holds up to the uh the name. It it does it well. And it was distributed by Neon, Sony Pictures, the Stage Six Films. This was released January twenty-fifth at the Sundance Film Festival in twenty nineteen, and February seventeenth, a whole year later, in the United States. This has a runtime of one hundred and eight minutes. And is a British movie. Hmm. Or at least it was shot in the UK. I haven't met. No. No, I don't think so. It no. was shot in Quebec. I guess it was financed by the British. Ah, that makes more sense. Because it does show as a British US movie. Hmm. Hmm. Anyways, yeah, this, had a, this has a box office of $3.2 million. Probably because you released it during a pandemic. Yes. And it had Alicia Silverstone in it. So they had one 
actor to hang their hat on. Well, Richard Armitage has been in some great stuff. He was a guy. He was Guy Gisburn in the BBC Robin Hood. Fair enough, but oh. Alicia Silverstone. And he was also in like the first three seasons of Strike Back, hmm, which, if you haven't that. seen it, is a fucking great British action series. Oh, nice! It's really good, and uh, it's like one of those uh, like like it was like the HBO of British series. So there's plenty of tits in it. that's what we're all looking for is plenty of tits one of the b's in the bbc should stand for boobs (laughs) all three of them do (laughs) bbbbc triple b british boobs and criminals (laughs) (laughs) hey that's what strike backs is full of it's it was like 24 but with tits nice so you know it's just got that high-paced action great acting in it it's i've only seen like the first six seasons of it apparently there was two more so i need to finish it up but it is uh every time i get in on that season i'm just like no other show exists right now i'm i'm binging this shit to the end absolutely so this starred riley keog i'm gonna say that rather than cough (laughs) (laughs) could go either way as grace marshall Lola Reed as Young Grace, Jaden Martell as Aiden Hall, Leah McHugh as Mia Hall, Richard Armitage as Richard Hall, Alicia Silverstone as Laura Hall. That's right, we got a big name, Alicia Silverstone. We got Batgirl from the Schumacher film, and Danny Koff as Aaron Marshall. And uh, the synopsis of this movie, a, uh, a widower and his children go up to the old family lodge to help his children spend time with his new girlfriend slash impending fiance. Over it does not go well because it's on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> they had a perfectly lovely time. The end. <laughs> they had a lovely morning. <laughs> lovely time. Now a bit of trivia. The filming of the lodge took place outside of Montreal. Yeah, so it wasn't filmed in England, so I'm assuming it was financed. The lodge featured in the film was located on a golf resort, which was closed for the winter season. The film was shot in chronological order, which is pretty interesting. Uh, The director elaborated on the decision to shoot chronologically, that uh, Riley was worried that the journey her character takes was a difficult one because she has to hit every mark in a way that's plausible. And I guess when you're having someone's, like, uh, constant slide into insanity, you, you should be able to memorize or at least it, it could be hard to confuse like okay what 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 gauge what, what location on the crazy gauge should i yeah. be yeah so if everything is just shot where you're constantly cranking it up you can it can just make a better path for everyone mm-hmm. so they decided to uh, shoot the whole thing in sequence not to just to help her but to help us because you know we also decide like if we're going to like change the camera angles or decide like we're going to we're going to put some dutch angles in this bitch. <laughs> it was just yeah, to right. make the journey and watch every step we take. We felt it would help all the actors and would benefit their performances. And I have to say it did. This was a great decision and it really paid off. I think so too. And the film was shot by cinematographer Thimios Bacatas, a frequent collaborator of Yorgos Lanthimos. Wow, that's That's a lot. Sweet reference, bro. <laughs> While shooting not- the interiors, Bakatakis, Franz, and Fiala deliberately chose not to frame the shots at eye level, instead opting for angles that were above or below the actors. They wanted to model the film after a haunted house movie, allowing the audience to initially suspect that the children's deceased mother may be haunting the home. 
In this regard, they were initially inspired by Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, in which a woman comes to believe her home is haunted by her husband's deceased first wife, which we covered on this show for uh, Pride Month. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, John, you were in on that? I think, uh, yeah, wasn't I? Man, been quite a litany of things we've done. Well, you've yeah, done over me. 300 podcasts. I can understand why you might be a little unsure. Yeah. Well, John's like, only been around for like the last, what, 80? Still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I was just wondering earlier today, I'm like, how many have I done up to this point now? <laughs> yeah. Well, I only met you during uh, last year's Black History Month when we aired it on Twitch. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So it's been a little over a year. Yep. So you probably, if we did it this year, then we probably would have had Rebecca. Oh, we're coming up on two years, actually. Like in Feb, it would probably be, well, it'd be like March or so. This next March, that'd be two years. Well, that is wild. <laughs> yeah, so Hitchcock, if you haven't seen Rebecca, it's actually a decent movie. And we covered it for Pride Month because it featured a lesbian villain. Wow. Which for a 1940s villain which our 1940s movie was a pretty bold choice to make. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hitchcock basically yeah. did as much as he could. But, you know, you, you were getting some strong butch vibes yes. from from this lady. And, uh, you know, it, it was part of like the whole, if you're going to have someone queer, you have to vilify them because that's just the way it is. That's right. But she, she still knocked it out of the park and was a very menacing butch. So, the screenplay for The Lodge was written by Scottish screenwriter Sergio Kasky, which had been sold to Hammer Films. Hammer offered the screenplay to be directed by filmmaking duo Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. The two agreed, though they rewrote a significant portion of the script, including the ending, which Franz felt didn't work. So I have to wonder what that was. There were so many options. (laughs) There were so (laughs) many ways that could have gone. And I do think that the ending was excellent. I don't think it was the only one that would have been excellent, but uh, it was definitely um, lightly horrifying, which is good because this is a horror podcast. So it's good to get it in there. (laughs) So uh, we always start with the goods. We always start with me. And uh, well, this doesn't qualify as a whole good, but I have to say my first good was it's a hammer film. It's just great. As soon as I saw that logo, I'm just like, shit, this is so cool. Hammer's back, baby. And uh, so my first real good was, uh, well, that's one way to finalize a divorce. Guess what, asshole? (laughs) You get full custody, like it or not. (laughs) Good luck spending spending time with your whore when when you can't get a day off. I think she misunderstood what finalizing the divorce meant. You know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you know till death do us part is just a suggestion, right? <laughs> it's not literal. Oh, she took it literally. <laughs> like how she took a sip of wine beforehand, too, you know? Oh, yeah. well, you want the last taste in your mouth to, you know, dilute the gunpowder. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and she you know, made proper. She took off that, was that, necklace? That she took off as yes, well? Yes, and it had her wedding ring on it. Ah. I recognized that immediately because of the weight of it. And yeah. I've seen that people who um, haven't yet given up on on the marriage. 
will not wear it on their hands anymore, but they'll put it on a chain around their neck, men and women. Oh, geez. Yeah. Damn, that is... To keep is... it close to their heart. Damn, that is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why that particular scene, the suicide scene, sorry, spoilers, um, was so evocative for me because I, I just... I felt it for her. I really felt for her. She was not willing to give up, but he gave up. Yeah. That was hard. She felt that was her only way out. Considering that she, with, you saw the cross behind her on the, on the wall and all of the religious iconography through the entire movie, you knew that she was religious. And so she knew what she was doing. She truly believed that suicide and never being allowed into heaven was better than life without him yeah it, 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 so many things so much information can be revealed without it telling you explicitly you know mm-hmm. she barely said a thing she was only in it for yeah. five minutes but she is living rent free in my head <laughs> right well and she's like this ghost really that haunts the movie as well yes. even though there's there's no actual ghosts in this but yeah. in some ways you could think of like the the doll that mia had yes it's kind of like that and then you know obviously you see the you know the imagery of it and the in the videotape mm-hmm. that the kids made and mm-hmm. uh yeah she kind of haunts the film and in some ways too i think you know you can there's definitely parallels you can draw between her character and grace you know obviously you know religion is obviously a huge motif in this movie absolutely oh yeah it that's why it they referenced uh, it to rebecca because you know uh if i think john saw this movie with me if not it was a it is a, a movie about a woman who is haunted by the ghost of her husband's previous wife. Mm-hmm. And again, the ghost is not really a little ghost, but you know, the memory, the, the whole, yes. the whole in the life that she left behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's yeah. a very good first. Good. That was my good actually as well. So I have to find another one in the next 4.2 seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, there's always room to agree with me because I'm a narcissist. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an extra time if you well I'm pretty sure you wrote down your notes because you know I you've did. done this show before maybe once or twice or four times <laughs> okay so Alicia what's your next good the well, next first good, good well the first good that I have is essentially how they were able to say so much without saying much at all if you were to do a word count on this movie it's probably far less in the number of words than any other movie that I've reviewed with you so far, yet they were able to say so much just with a look or uh, a piece of music or just the, the way the cinematography was being held. And one of the ways I thought was really interesting was the whole concept of the cult. Because we saw so very little of it. We saw Young Grace's uh, videotaping of... Uh, you know, a cult uh, meeting, and then afterwards, the videotaping of all of the cult leaders dead. And the first thing, like you and I were talking about it, and I said, that is very familiar. And we realized it was evocative of Heaven's Gate, their suicide. Yeah. 
and mm -hmm. I was looking up some trivia and interestingly enough that's exactly the, what they were doing the cult from Grace's past is clearly based on Heaven's Gate of which 39 members also committed mass suicide in a yep. communal house with shrouds covering their upper bodies so that's why it yeah. was so familiar because we saw that on TV uh, you know when we were younger so I found it very interesting because it was calling all of that um, spooky dread that horror that you get from realizing that this little kid is walking around videotaping dead people hmm. and it just I found that to be so interesting because very few words were ever said by I don't think Grace said a single word in that like young Grace in the video well yeah what's to say I mean you're just like this is this is this is me now. She was the chronicler of the end of that cult. And as yeah, such, like did the, not like the two say anything. Yeah, like the two people of Heaven's Gate, which were just like the ones that were to like be left behind and keep running the website. And mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Be the witnesses. You know, my yeah. first thought was like, oh, so this was like an interactive viewing of Silent Night. <laughs> it's yeah. like you know how the like, like the Rocky Horror Show where everyone dresses up in makeup. This is the one where everyone drinks the the, the poison Kool Aid, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, the curators yeah, so, yeah. of their story. You know, yes, absolutely. So that was mine. Just uh, how they were able to say so much while saying so little. Yeah. Oh, like just the imagery of that scene was friggin' chilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unsettling. And clearly, it was all the Apple Whites and. Uh, yeah, you know, it, there's, um, well, okay, you know, something to be said, you know, I, I think on the previous episode, we were talking about a bit on like, um, found footage movies. And I think there's some, I, I think the reason why I kind of like found footage movies is because in that, um, well, when they're showing that videotape, that old camera grain, mm -hmm. all of that going in there, it kind of adds to the spookiness of it too. Just, it really does. Yeah, and it, I don't know, it has that analog horror vibe going on, and um, yeah, I don't know, it adds to the all-around creepiness, um, you know, I, I think it just, yeah, it amplifies it, you know, just that little, just that aesthetic right there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so John, what's your first good? Hmm. Well, I guess it was related to y'all's, I mean, I was like, well, it's nice to see Alicia Silverstone around again. Granted, she was not in the movie very long. <laughs> Ten minutes later, it was nice to see Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice. I know. Like, I, I meant something. I'm like, and she's out of here as quickly as her career went. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Now, probably a bit tasteless right there. But I'm like, oh, that gunshot, that was Batman and Robin right there. <laughs> oh, Lord. But um, I mean, but, that would have been great if the blood splatter on the end of the wall was like the shape of a battery. <laughs> <laughs> stop stop no. <laughs> um no and you know i want to say i think for that small you know i think i agree a lot with alicia here too that for the small part that she had in the movie it was very effective and a lot done with little to no dialogue you know um a lot of stuff just conveyed through imagery and just expression and body language and even details I hadn't even picked up on until Alicia had pointed out there. Um, and, yeah, you know, I guess it was just nice to see her in a uh, in a film role for a while. It's kind of one of those actors I just kind of forgot existed for a bit. Um, I thought she was pretty good in that. And, 
maybe if I can tack on anything new. Um, I, I enjoy the, um, I think I, I kind of enjoy the consistent use of a uh, muted color throughout this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of whites and grays and, um, stuff that seems to symbolize a bit of, uh, isolation, maybe yeah. coldness, sterility, um, and I think it contributes a lot to the mood. Um, and, and again, it's consistent through the movie. Um, and well, and I think coming off to one of these other movies we watched here for the Chris massacre, um, they, there's a lot of good use of camera work here. A lot of, um, well-framed shots and, um, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of shots too, like one shot I always found really interesting was in their, not the lodge itself, but in their house where it's, it looks like it's coming from like one of the bedrooms, but you just, it's going down the hallway and there's no wall decor on these halls and it's just yeah. looking at the banister over there. And uh, I don't know, it just seems to, I guess there's a lot of things it evokes, but you know, for me, I think of like a sense of distance and maybe it's like the sense of distance between, um, you know, Alicia Silverstone and, and her her husband, you know, and um, and just kind of the, the, the fractured nature of the family at this point. Um, I, I guess another way of hinting and suggesting at a lot of things through just you know, color, lighting, camera angles that can convey a lot without having to just, you know, front load a bunch of exposition onto you. It's like showing more than telling. And yeah, the movie has a lot of striking cinematography, you know, Um, and and yeah, it just contributes to the theme. And I think it's pretty effective throughout the movie. So, Yeah. And, uh, my next good was simply that's a good brother because yeah. we see a scene where the sister is sad that mom's gone and the brother just oh, you yeah. know, comes in to comfort her. And, you know, I, I won't be saying that uh, for long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or yeah, any, I thought any goods was, about well, these kids. He always he always protects his sister. Yeah. Gotta give him that. I, it was, yeah. Well, I did think that was pretty. Well, I thought that was sweet, you know, at that point in the movie, you know, when I was first watching it, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, um, and, but there was something a bit darker about that scene too, just because the nature of why even Mia's crying in the first place. And it's like, why she's God damn. Yeah. And I was like, okay, man, telling kids that this shit's child abuse. I'm sorry. You know, telling people that. You know, you're never going to go to heaven because of how somebody died like this. That's so fucked up, man. Kids don't need to be, you know, that. <laughs> Welcome to Catholicism. Yeah. Catechism. Right. It's just. Yeah. It's all like a. This is what yeah, happens when a... you have a religion that goes against reality, because then you find like a lot of people oh. like gay people. Well, they're they're nice, but they're just not going to go to heaven because they're abominations. Yeah. And it's all just. The central operating emotion here is shame and guilt, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, yeah. this person that you love is not going to go to heaven. They're burning in hell now because 
they were in such immense pain that they couldn't see a better day ahead of them and they opted out. Yeah. It's like, no, n- never mind, never mind their struggles. Their struggles don't matter to God. He just put down one rule and they broke it and they're burning now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that is. Again, they're kids, right? So they were raised in the Catholic faith. They're both devout Catholics. Yeah. Because that's how they were raised. Only later and, uh, comes the age of reason God when damn. they might well, actually definitely gave have them a, a really thought. Yeah. And but you know, it at really at that age. Yeah. And it developed in them a very, very sick sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this was their way to like commit suicide after all. But, you know, you know, it's like a loophole that, you know, God won't judge us for this because someone else killed us. Right. Uh, I would have my <laughs> questions about that. I would definitely um, I don't see it that way. I see them as seeing themselves as avenging angels on behalf of their mother. And they will punish who they concede, who they think is guilty and is the sinner, which is grace. Well, yeah, that worked out. Yeah, didn't work out, but you know, that's where they were going with that as far as I'm concerned. I think the resentment and the grief yeah. built up to this bitter pill that they both swallowed and came up with as, you know, children who do not really have a sense of moral compass at that age think, yeah, this is a great idea. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know, like I love how it's all directed to at like the woman a woman you know it's like they're not really yeah. they they seem a lot they're like way easier on their dad uh who yes. you know he's the one who well we don't really know the whole background between him and and um you know the mother but uh, you know it just seems like he's the one who left and went with her and she's the one being punished for it you know Oh, absolutely. I felt yeah. so sorry for Grace about, you know, half an hour into this movie. She was no longer oh the God. interloper. She was the victim by not yeah. only those children who were, you know, rat bastards, but by a fiance that essentially threw her to the wolves. Yeah, just straight up just fucking leaves her there. Yeah, we should spend time. And by we spend days. time, I mean you spend time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, this is your problem, not my problem. I'm going to go fuck off and enjoy the nice, quiet work while you have your shouting matches. And when you're too exhausted to fight anymore, then I'll show up and take credit for the rousing success I have I have in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a charmer. Yeah, so Alicia, what's your next good? I would have to say how this movie built its mood and built the atmosphere. I mean, from the very beginning, the first five minutes is the first sharp shock of what the hell? What? Like, I did not expect the suicide. And it was just so perfectly done. It was so matter of fact. And we all just talked about it. But, you know, just, wow, I was not expecting that. And so it left me unsettled. And I stayed unsettled through the entire movie. So the just pulling out of the emotions, drawing it out with the cinematography, with the with the the music that they were playing, with the views that the camera was angling at, and it just got me more and more drawn into the film, trying to figure out, okay, what is going to happen next? What is who who's the bad guy? Who do I point the finger at and say, they're the bad guy, you know, these are the good guys. But no, it just, it kept on switching back and forth for me 
who could it be? Who could it be? No, it can't be that person, but maybe it is this person. And it just kept me unsettled the whole way through. That's the sign of a good psychological horror movie. It was mm-hmm. considered a, it, one of the reviews I read was, this is a contemporary horror. And I kind of like that because contemporary horror to me means it's in your mind. It is yeah. what you think it is, not what we tell you it is. You get to choose your own adventure and decide how this is going to end. And yeah. um, it ain't going to end the way you think it's going to end, but it's uh, it's it was a ride. It was a wild ride. And it was just so ploddingly relentless, getting more and more unsettled and the, the stomach clenching and the, oh my God, what's going to happen next? And I must say that is a fantastic good because that to me is a great horror movie, a far better then, you know, seeing somebody get stabbed in the face or the dick or the tit or whatever we watched <laughs> last night. Oh, my God. Yep. Or, or oh. reviewed yesterday. It was just this one was far more. It took up much more space rent free in my head than that other crappy one all through the house, um, because that's just forgettable, completely forgettable movie. This one I'll be thinking about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John. Well, um, yeah, you know, I, I think I enjoy a lot of the, uh, honestly, I enjoy the slow pace of this movie. This is something a lot of people complain about, but I'm someone like, I like a movie that is a slow burn, and this definitely had a burn to it, well, figuratively and literally. <laughs> yeah, I was going to put down a slow burn as a bad, because it was just like, there's like so, there's nothing happening. Mm, nah, but when stuff I, I does like, happen, I'm realizing, oh, oh yes, everything man. we saw was contributing to it. Like, it was actually, it was a slow burn, but we well, were burning some stuff. Yeah, and I, I did we're feel like you her mind. Yeah, it, it's slower, but I feel like you were given enough points of intrigue throughout that you were you were you were kept engaged you know at no point did i find myself bored but you know it's a movie that's quiet it's you know there's not a lot of you know every shot is allowed to breathe it's not clusterfucked with just tons of activity going around um and i i think that's you know it's a deliberate choice that fit again with the motif and the and the visual themes and the themes of the story um but i, I enjoy the pacing a lot um and you know kind of piggyback on what alicia said there too is that um it, it really it, it keeps you it keeps you guessing and in, in some ways it, in in a lot of ways it's taking you in the same way that Grace is sort of unraveling, you know, I think as an audience member, I feel like I'm kind of unraveling at the same time, you know, that I don't know what's really going on. I don't totally know what's real. I, but what, um, I don't know what I'm seeing on screen does seem reminiscent of, you know, maybe the experience of like reliving some kind of trauma, you know, like I I feel like maybe where I'm getting at with this movie, where I'm getting at here is that I feel like it does represent pretty well with imagery, the, uh, the feeling of like repressed memories and stuff coming back to haunt you, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so much and they, it's done so effectively though, that you, you do almost think that, 
it's ghosts. Like, oh, maybe it's the spirit of her father coming back and, you know, something, something having some impact on what's going on here. You know, uh, it's easy to start thinking this is a supernatural uh, phenomenon going on. Um, and the movie, I think, very masterfully takes you down this road of, um, you know, psychological breakdown. Um, and to the point that, um, when you do get to the twist of it, it, um, you almost feel like you're going even more, even more crazy. Just even when you know that it was, you know, it was all just essentially made up. Um, yeah, I I guess I'm just put it this way. Yeah. I think it takes you through the journey of Grace's head just as much as an audience member as it does the character, you know, and it's just masterfully done. And this is a good example of like a, a effective slow burn movie and the payoff is, is great. So, um, yeah, this is, this is the kind of thing I, I, I'm very into, you know? And, uh, yeah, I'll just agree that this was, like, an interesting twist none of us saw coming. The slow burn fucking paid off. Oh, like, God. Yeah. And it it definitely filled me with a lot of different emotions, too, you know. And, yeah, I, I definitely agree, too, that it, it will live rent-free in my head for a while. This is the yeah. kind of movie that I will stew on for a couple weeks, you know, like <laughs> thinking about. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean... Right from the beginning, right to the ending, which was so bleak. <laughs> Just. Woo! Yeah. Bleak. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, there's definitely a lot to say about it and, and just how. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just the. Well, you see how a lot of like the psychosis is linked to her religious upbringing you know it's like it's pathological almost you know mm-hmm. um and just how certain like psychological triggers you know um yeah I, basically we're watching a very slow and cynical form of torture <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and it's just way more unsettling than a lot of really bloody movies i've seen you know <laughs> Yeah, it's the kind of stuff that it cuts deep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, that leads to my next good. This is why you don't gaslight people that are on psychiatric medication. Yes. Yeah, no shit. Like that. I mean, it's already one thing that the the joke itself was already one thing, but then they went to the extent they take away her medication. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's some fuck. That's yeah, that's criminal, dude. You know. Like, no court would convict her. But le- yeah. let's be honest, she's not going to see a court. No. She's yeah, not I mean... She's going to see the inside of a of a, an asylum. Like No, like, even though they didn't show us at the end, like, pretty sure this movie is going to be bookended with a woman in distress committing suicide. Oh, yeah. After she yeah. murdered her fiancé and her fiancé's two children. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, God, yeah, just... Yeah, all sorts of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just, well, it, yeah, it, it's the, uh, I think what pierces so much is just the, the cruelty of the kids here, you know, just mm-hmm. to, I mean, they're trying to play God here and be like, 
I mean, that's the joke is like it's being. Uh, I guess that's part of the joke here, but it, you know, it's like they're trying to be the god who's like punishing her, you know, and having this yeah like god complex and trying to, um, you know, like activate those deep rooted feelings of guilt and shame and uh, mm-hmm. just you know try to pass down divine judgment i mean like yeah I, I don't know man that's just some really antisocial behavior that's all i can say you know mm-hmm. yeah so alicia any more goods i have one more good and it's about the movie as a whole once again because there is something that i realized while i was thinking about it after having watched it and thinking all night about it and so on is you can really see this movie in three acts. The beginning act is this family that's dealing with this horrible trauma that's happened. And um, essentially, the children seeing Grace, the fiancé, as the reason and the cause of all their problems. Okay? Mm -hmm. Second act, if you think about it, it's all based in the lodge. And we keep on switching back and forth. Is this going to be a horror movie where we have ghosties and boogaboos and, and, and poltergeists coming through the walls? Or is it less supernatural and more demonic or like evil in a, in a more prosaic sense? We just don't know what's going on. Is Laura, the dead mom, haunting the place? Are other supernatural beings involved? Is the doll part of this situation? And we just don't know. And we're primed for so many possibilities. And yeah. then the final act is the consequences of poor choices. Oh, yeah. And it's just, oh, yeah. and, 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 and you, get the, you get the actual, oh, that's what's going on. So the understanding and then realizing it is much more prosaic than ghosties and poltergeists and revenants. Nope, it's just kids in pain causing a fragile woman to break, like to shatter. And then the consequences of those choices, they had no idea what they would do when they started that snowball rolling down the hill. But then it became unstoppable, an unstoppable force and leading to its inevitable denouement. And I just found that fascinating because you were talking about bookends earlier. That's what I see. Everything fit in perfectly. There were no extraneous scenes. There were no red herrings in the sense of anything that was unnecessary or irrelevant to to this movie. I mean, it was actually pretty tight at, what, 108 minutes? And it just, it said everything it needed to say without saying a hell of a lot. And I just yeah. really liked that. And uh, somebody, uh, a review I was reading, came up with a fantastic tagline for it. I can't claim credit for it, but I will say it. They said, children of the scorn. And I'm like, <laughs> Damn, that's exactly right. You got it. Got yeah. it. Absolutely. So Very yeah, that, so. that's my final good is just like this movie is a tour de force. Tour de force all the way through because it just fit perfectly. It just did everything it needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and John? Well, um, yeah, I can say... Um, well, and I, I enjoy the sort of, I guess I, I, I enjoy the kind of complexity of every character in this. Um, 
you know, even the kids in some ways, um, you know, their motivations are obviously spiteful and coming from a place of grief, resentment. Um, and as much as like the kids, you know, they anger me for doing something so cruel. There's still a part of me, too, that can empathize with the fact that they are still kids and they yeah. don't totally understand things like mental health with through an adult lens. And trauma. And they don't, yes. yeah, and trauma. And they don't understand what is too far. Yeah. And you can tell they have remorse already towards the end, like especially oh. Mia, once the dog comes yes. back. And she knew right there, she's like, I didn't mean for it to go this far, you know. Yes, yes. And... So there, there is still some feeling there. It's like, you know, they are kids and kids can be very cruel, but it's also, that is also a, like a biological, like brain development thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Grace, you know, I, I, I actually really enjoyed how like I first, like the movie was like, we kind of got, or at least me as an audience member, I feel like I was kind of tricked the same way that the kids tricked uh, Grace and that. I was almost thinking like, okay, you know, Grace coming in, she's going to be like, she is going to actually be kind of evil in some way. Like she's going to start trying to get him to do weird cult things or something, or mm -hmm. she's trying to do some kind of thing to the family. I started thinking of her as some kind of like, okay, what she's really hiding, you know, I'm just yeah. waiting for her sinister. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, but then just to have it, you know, have my perspective changed so much to the point that I just felt horribly bad for this person, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and even some ways, like, we don't know too much about um, the, um, oh, I keep forgetting her name, Alicia Silverstone's character. Laura. But the, Laura, yes. And uh, Laura and her husband's dynamic, um, you know, there's, I feel like, you know, there, there, there's some, maybe there's a lot of things that are suggested there. Like there might've been a very, like they seem to have this happy marriage, but it might've not have been, um, you know, from the most genuine pretenses, you know, maybe, um, maybe she was more committed into the marriage and, he was doing it maybe more out of obligation. I guess there's not enough, a lot you know about it explicitly, but there definitely seems to be some complexity there, at least a lot of food for thought. Um, I don't know. Nothing was really clear cut with this, and I just enjoy that. This is just, there's a lot of nuance to these characters, and it's not like they have to spell it out for you. It's just, you know, the plot speaks for itself. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think that's just like an overarching thing I just enjoyed with the whole movie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, and my final good is, uh, you know, Richard really makes the point, really makes the case for not giving guns to the mentally ill. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Kind of wonder where, uh, damn, where did Grace learn how to shoot like that, too? I imagine never. growing. I imagine growing up in a cult or something. There was probably like, you know, you're gonna have to fend off the non-believers that'll come for us. Or yeah, well, you know, it's like Jonestown. They had like armored, armed guards and all that. So sure. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember so seeing the... that movie where they sent the guys that shot up the senator at the airport. And... Yep. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the Koreshians, uh, right? Like, oh, yeah. Koresh yes. is cult. I mean, they had, uh, it was Waco, right? That was, mm-hmm. yeah. that was them. Like, the Branch Davidians, they had it under lock with lots <laughs> and ter- lots of firepower. Yeah, yeah it well, turns out it doesn't do so good against tanks. Well, that's true. <laughs> you can only yeah. do what you do. It, um,. Oh, yeah, fun fact. Every, what... Everyone thinks, I'm going to fend off the government on Doomsday. Like, bitch, they've got drones and tanks, and they can just bomb you. Like, yeah. you you fuck off with your whole, oh, I, I, I can fend off any any government agents that try to take my shit. Like, fuck you. you okay, it doesn't matter if you've got a shed full of AR-15s. One, having a gun does not make you bulletproof. Two, it doesn't make you bombproof. Three, it doesn't make you rocketproof. And it doesn't matter if you've dug a little cess if if you've got like a uh, a septic tank that you've put a couch in in your basement <laughs> in, in your backyard. They've got bunker busters. Oh man! Like you cannot fight the government. Fun fact: I'm from Waco. I was born oh, in Waco. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> so hence my maybe that's why I have all these weird interests. And yeah, <laughs> I love documentaries about cults and shit. You know. <laughs> Well, you're definitely on the right podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my that's my legacy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, guess what? I fought the law on the law one. That's that's you. That's a universal statement. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> the only way you can fight the government is by voting. Surprisingly. <laughs> that's how they that's how they set it up. Like it turns out, like yeah, no, 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 you cannot shoot the government. Like even if you think, like, oh no, there's there's a finite limit to to the agents. Yeah, but if you do kill enough agents, that's when they will just send in a tank. Yeah, they'll bomb the ever living crap out of you. Ah, uh, so that's all my goods. Anyone else? Oh, yeah, I don't think I really got anything else. No. Yeah, I, right. I I think I've got I've said enough. Yeah, it's more like. Just broad strokes, you know. So, now we can move on to the bad. Alicia, do you have any ads? A few that were head tilters. Sort of like, really? One of the ones, and it was a visually arresting moment. It really was. It was a holy shit, I can't believe she's doing this. When she knelt on the hot coals. In front of the fireplace. That was really really evocative that actually caused a visceral reaction in me that was not my problem the problem that she was walking around like she had no problem afterwards no yeah sorry she did it so many times because you could hear screaming throughout the house that she would have burned away the flesh and she would have burned away the tendons and she would have been walking nowhere she would have been heavily limping at absolute best so i think that was a misstep (laughs) <laughs> so to speak, uh, a misstep in that, in that, yes, it was a fantastic, visually arresting moment, but it wasn't based in reality for the consequences afterwards. And she had to be able to walk. She had to be able to run up the stairs and go down the stairs and, you know, track them back to the car and do all the things and be strong enough to overpower them, even if it was just with fear. Uh, in order to get them back into the house. So that was my bad because I felt that that was, that took me out of the moment 
in a, are you sure? Are you really sure? You know, it's like, yeah, crawling around the house. Yeah, yeah, that's something that caught my eye too. It was a little bad. I'm like, man, you burned the shit out of your fucking legs, man. There's yeah. no way you're up walking like that, you know? Yeah. You know, if she'd done it to the back of her legs or maybe her shins or maybe one foot or something like that or her arm. Well, I guess that's where the tendon is. I don't think, like, I'm feeling my legs right now and it just feels like it's just bone. Still, burning bone should probably cause some damage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And I, her pants were unsullied afterwards. So there was yeah. a continuity error there, too. Do you really think she had the presence of mind to change her pants at that point? <laughs> right. You know, so so that was that was sort of a, eh, F. no, I don't think so. For the, for I have to look good one. for the Lord. Yeah, right. pretty much. <laughs> there is a dress code in heaven. <laughs> so that's me. Yeah. All right, John, any bads? Uh, very small things. And these, and you guys might be able to clear this up for me because I might have missed this. Um, well, I had one question. Maybe it's not super important, but I was a little curious how the kids made the, which it's very doable, but how the kids made the fake obituary. Oh. Um, there was at one point, I know they were like in their dad's office and that's when they were doing the research there on grace. So my, my guess is like, maybe they did something there. Maybe he had some equipment over there to make that. But I mean, I was like, damn, this is pretty well done. So I guess I would have liked to maybe known how they'd done that. Um, yeah. I mean, they, cause they did advance very cold. Yeah. And, the, and there was a lot of stuff that was, I mean, I like how it was revealed with like, you know, the dad where he saw the dollhouse, how they were yeah. basically cut, setting up their battle plans with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one detail I was a little curious about. I mean, I guess you can fill in the blanks on your own, but mm-hmm. um, that and also I, I'm still a little baffled to why exactly the husband like, why did they go up here to the lodge if the husband's also just going to go back into the city? Like, why don't he just, why don't they just go up there when he has, like, PTO and shit and he's not going to yeah. have to go drive out there and leave them stranded, like, isolated out there? It still seemed a little weird. Like, that's kind of a weird time to go take your kids on a vacation. Like, this isn't a vacation if you're then having to go right back into the city, you know? Yeah, um, it did seem like a bad idea. It would be one thing if it were the mom, like if it were the year prior before all the crap happened. Yeah. And it was sort of like, we go up there for Christmas every year. So maybe the father yeah. was trying to instill some normalcy by hearkening back to previous years when there were happier times. But boy, what a... Yeah. What a swing and a miss that one was seriously right he really a bad move there he's like oh well maybe this will be a good time for them to bond i'm like dude they're not on that level you still really need to be chaperoning this situation they literally hadn't fucking met her yet like what a horrible it's like throw them all in the deep end and see what happens well we just saw what happened yeah (laughs) murder suicide right and i know she wanted to go on this trip but i mean man i feel like he should have had a little more presence of mind to be like, okay, let's ease them into the situation yeah. a little bit more. Like How about we just together? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought that was going to happen. Like they were sitting there, you know, having a meal and they're like, and I, I thought that was leading to them. Yeah. Having dinner and stuff, but mm-hmm. um, maybe there was some scene in there we didn't see before, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> felt like really bad call on his part, but mm-hmm. 
it is what kicked off the plot, but yeah. I don't know. I feel like there could have just been some more, a little bit better writing to create a little more justification for why he would have to leave, you know? Yeah. The most generous thing I can put on it is that he's a deeply selfish man. Yeah. Yeah. Deeply very selfish. True. He wanted what he wanted. His his soon-to-be ex-wife was not ready to hear that not only was he moving on with a new girl, but he was marrying her before their yeah. divorce was even finalized. There we go, yeah. And then he continues with it. Like, if you think about the timing, like they're having mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. I presume it's Thanksgiving because of the plastic fucking turkeys. And yep. he's like, yeah, I'm getting married to her, so get used to it. Oh my god! Could, yeah, what? I mean, like, really terrible timing, yeah. No... I think you're. I think you're. Uh, I think you're onto something there because there's something really off about, you know, this. Uh, it makes me wonder, like that that marriage. You know, again, kind of harking back when I was talking about in the goods. Like, yeah, maybe that marriage just really wasn't so perfect. Maybe he was really the big problem in it. You know, yeah. Well, the bit, not, I, it was probably his idea to eat food outside where it's fucking cold. That food is going to get chilled within five fucking minutes. <laughs> blankets. Like, seriously, why are they sitting outside eating? Because, of course, yeah, American Thanksgiving house. is, well, it's tomorrow. It's November. It's cold out in most parts of the States. Am I yeah. wrong, John? Like, why yes. would they do that? And I mean, they look so miserable. No, I wouldn't even be doing it out here in Texas, you know? Like, yeah. shit. I mean, this is this is child abuse here. Yeah. It did yeah. seem a weird. Like, why would the writers write that particular scene? Why did it have to be outdoors? It didn't seem to have any purpose. Yeah. But, you know, oh, with things always hats. being... God damn it. <laughs> me, and, you know, with seeing how this movie is a very capable movie and it's pretty well crafted, I, I'm inclined to think that it was a deliberate choice. And I think you might be onto something there. I think there's a lot of things being communicated that they don't explicitly say, but I think are implied if you if you if you dig a little deeper into it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, no, I, I think that'll explain a lot because he is very. Yeah, he just seems like just really all in his own world, and he wanting his own perfect idea of like a family and having like the perfect wife. But, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Or just are, are just one that he wants more. You know, it's just really all about just his needs and wants, and that's just what's paramount. And everybody just has to follow suit with it, including the kids. Which makes you wonder why she didn't see why the first wife just didn't see the divorces. Finally, I'm free from this fucking narcissist. Yeah, but I feel like maybe she had also been damaged a lot through that relationship with that narcissist oh yeah because a lot of narcissists will make people codependent or they'll seek codependent people exactly they um they they always talk about like you know people who are empathic you know empaths uh are usually very are prime targets to narcissists um you know because it's like a feedback loop Um, yeah they want to give and they see someone who needs Except yes. they underestimate how much they need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it's like trying and, and to fill it, a black hole. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it, it just, it goes on and on until the narcissist just completely drains that person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that I feel like maybe a good sense of that probably happened with, with Laura's character. Now that I think a bit more about it and kind of reflect on it, um, that, yeah, I mean, not only was, 
you know, the probably the religious undertone with it there, you know, the Catholic faith, the shame, the guilt and all mm-hmm. of that of like being like divorced. divorced. Yeah. But, you know, probably a bit of some, yeah, like some just psychological damage on account of maybe the husband. Like, you know, he's just and narcissistic people don't tend to be always come off outwardly malicious. They always come off usually charming and, and nice and. You know, well, it depends well. what type what type of narcissism. A malignant narcissist does none none of that. But the one who is like, oh, pity me. It's it's you know it's so terrible for me. Yeah, he's more of the the well the type that you know they 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 definitely curry the favor in and mm-hmm. in, in the favor of strangers. But the people they're closest to, they're just horrible to. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I don't know. Just just definitely a lot to think about there, but... Uh, yeah, because, like, also from the kids' point of view, even though the kids are shitbags, it's like, yeah. you, it's like oh, man, I'm sorry you're grieving and all that. And by the way, here's your mom's replacement. Yeah. Yeah, no shit, you know? As, like, as a side note, think, think back for me. Have a... F- picture Laura, her face, Alicia Silverstone's face, then picture Riley Keough, Grace's face. Do they not look so much alike? Yeah, it's like they really it's like the do. it's the two thousand one model of the uh, yeah. of the previous ninety three Camry. He traded up, but mm-hmm. did he? <laughs> yeah, he thought he traded up. He found somebody who is pliable, pliant, quiet, mm-hmm. obedient. Yeah, um, completely yep. loyal, completely avidly in love with him. And would do anything he wanted. So I don't know. Maybe Laura started to ask, I don't know, for equal rights or something. And he couldn't have that. You know, so there are lots of opportunities to to speculate on why Tell you what, the, the marriage you can de- You can decide how Thanksgiving dinner goes if you can get my kids to accept you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, way you're, that way it looks like you're putting it in her court, but you're really just dooming her to fail. Pretty yeah. much. No, this is some this is some good stuff there. I, I think there's a so much that so much food for thought and, and so much that can be just said just about yeah, just his character, the person who's in the movie the least, you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And how much yeah. of a mark she left behind. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Well, you know, I think that's just the the. The mark of a, a well-written movie. It's well-constructed with, uh, yeah, just complex characters. Uh, yeah, and the children are just byproducts of this really toxic family dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, the kids are assholes, but, you know, that doesn't just happen in a vacuum, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Or, yeah. Or at least, uh, or at least Aiden because he's the older one, so he's definitely yeah. the one driving this. And uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah. Do you he recognize defin- him, by the way? Do you recognize up- the actor? I recognize him from a number of things. He was in this movie called The Book of Henry, uh-huh. um, and then he was in It Chapter Two. I remember Chapter Yeah, one. Chapter One. He chapter I'm sorry, yeah, Chapter One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played the young version of Bill. Yeah, that's um, where I recognized him. Yeah. Um, Great actor. He's going places. Oh, yeah. No, he's very good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think really all the performances are pretty good in this movie. True. Um, pretty solid. Uh, 
especially to just there's a lot of labor having to be done with you know minimal dialogue you know mm-hmm. just and if you think about it three characters are the ones that are most in this movie yeah they drive the whole thing and you know? two of them are kids so that's a lot to ask for mm-hmm. child actors so i think they did a fantastic job yeah yeah most yep. definitely we keep and on sliding into good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? This is just a good movie. I mean, it's like this, like Silent Height. We have we have some strong child actors, you know. Yeah, Silent Night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And another bummer movie. <laughs> yeah. Who'd oh, have definitely. thought horror movies would be bummers? Right. <laughs> I I can just say, man, I I I I don't think there's a character like I have felt as bad for as Grace. <laughs> you know, damn. Mm-hmm. After especially when, after three hundred and twenty episodes of watching people get stabbed, mutilated, shot, strangled, now it's like, oh no, are, these are people, right? They had lives, <laughs> right? Yeah, this is somebody so desperately just trying to, you know, seek the favor of these obviously bereaved children and just trying to do her own healing. And just All these people to be- had hopes and dreams, and we're mocking their suffering. <laughs> right. What if we? What? We're what the are, monsters. We, <laughs> we need to find God. I oh, need to God. go touch grass. <laughs> no, we, oh man, to quote uh, a bad movie that we reviewed on this podcast, uh, Halloween Kills. Um, well, he's like, now he's turning us into monsters. <laughs> <laughs> nope, the monster was inside you all along. Yep. Ah. Uh. My only bad for this movie is a second movie in a row with a dead dog. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't even mention it, but yes. Damn Uh, it. I know. But, you know, I I think I I definitely was bothered by it, but it also felt integral to the plot because that dog, what that dog symbolized to her. Yes, I do agree. Yeah. It it had to be that way because it was the only way for uh, the little, the girl, uh, Mia, to essentially realize they've gone too far. Yeah. yeah. Because it had a death of consequence. The, yeah. Well, that was really what broke... Of innocence. That yes. was what really broke her right there, you know? Because yeah. she got that dog as a way... It was kind of the symbolize of her sort of healing and trying to move on to another True. phase of her life. Yeah, and Grace. God. Uh, yeah, every time I think about it, it's just... Yeah, my, my heart kind of breaks. It, it's... It is... Yeah, that, I was like, this is just torture, you know, just take away everything this person has. And especially too, yeah, like their That's medication. The, yeah. yeah. So, um, and, and yeah, especially to, and then to do the whole, you got to repent your sins shit. God, what kind of fucking demon are you? Like, no kidding, eh? And yeah, there's bad decisions. And then there's just like, really? Gosh, I know. I just think about it. Just, oh, I'm getting angry all over again. This is just- <laughs> <laughs> An interesting piece to tri- piece of trivia uh, about the dog. Uh, Grace's dog was named Grady, which happens mm-hmm. to be the name of the former winter caretaker at the Overlook Hotel in The uh, Shining. That is fucking lodges. good. Yep. Nice. Good yep. fucking catch. Yeah. Right. Yep. Mr. Like, Grady, oh, you really? were you were the caretaker here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, just thinking of the 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 films that this film 
pays homage to being The Shining, but also uh, The Others, which I pointed out when I was watching it. Oh, I said, yeah. This reminds me of The Others with Nicole Kidman and children, once again. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody mentioned the movie Hereditary, which I haven't watched. Maybe you guys oh, have. Dude, yes. We've reviewed it on here. Yeah, I highly recommend that movie. I first hated the movie because I guess it was just a bad either a bad time or I just may have spaced out for a minute. I didn't just I just didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And then John was just like, "Oh yeah, it's great." And I'm like, "Well, you know what? We'll cover it. We'll we'll do a cult movie theme and just so I have oh. an excuse to cover it on the show." And then like everything just fucking clicked. Like I saw what they were going for. I was just like, "Oh my God, there's brilliance in this. It's made of stars. Oh, it's a great movie. <laughs> well, you know, actually, well, also because we had just previously seen Midsummer, oh, so yeah. that kind of primed me up. And then I just saw Hereditary. I'm just like, it's Midsummer, but at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, another well, movie that they suggested was an homage as well, Midsummer, which I haven't seen yet. And you guys were talking about it earlier in the year, so it's definitely on my list. Yeah, Ari would you asked. say that there there are elements of Midsummer in this movie? Mm, I'd, I'd have I'd have, I'd struggle to see it. Mm, okay. it, it was mentioned by other uh, reviewers. Uh, it's a little more faintly, maybe in terms of some of the themes about like. Um, I mean, having your mind fucked with by outside forces is one thing. Another one is isolation. Like, you can't go anywhere for help. There is no help. There's just you in this situation. I I think, yeah, in terms of, like, yeah, like, psychological breakdowns, which it's it's obviously more on a micro level where it's like, okay, Midsummer is around, like, a cult that's kind of breaking people down. And this one, it's like these two kids are kind of playing the role of what the 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 cult in midsummer kind of played um you did mention the movie uh the others and yeah. a little yeah. I, I so i brought up the page here a little interesting bit of trivia but the main character nicole kidman's name in that movie is grace oh boy i didn't realize that huh. yeah i didn't realize that i was like man, i haven't thought about that movie forever but that is one of the best ghost movies i've ever seen it was sure. great it was great mm-hmm. because i did not see it coming yeah, I did not see that twist, that Uno reverse twist. Nope, did not see that. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but uh, yeah, no, it's a re- it's a, it's a really good one. I think that was based on a novel too, if I recall correctly. Okay. Um, but yeah, fun and maybe maybe not so much of a coincidence, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was its mm-hmm. homage as well. Yeah. Yeah. So are we uh, all out of bats? Because I only had that one. I have just one other minor one. Remember the scene with the snow angels outside, which is supposed to be referring back to the video where, uh, you know, the whole movie that they were going to show dad for Christmas, but it was really just to fuck with Grace's mind. All the snow angels outside. Great scene. I have one small problem. How did the no kids footprints? do it without the footprints? Exactly. You and I were talking about it, and that's why you and I were saying, oh, there's got to be some sort of otherworldly, uh, spooktacular thing going on, because there's no way that kids could do this without footprints. All I can think of is maybe they stepped within it, you know, like just like trackers will. <laughs> they cover well, up, They cover up well, the footprints on each one. Yeah. <laughs> essentially, they step in the middle of the, the, the thing, but it just... I don't know. You know, you got a like a what, 12-year-old and a 10-year-old? 
You stop, turn around, sweep the snow into your footprints. Take another just, step, stop, turn around, sweep the snow into your footprints. It sounds it sounds like a lot of, yeah, they're not that smart to do That's that. That's a lot yet. of forethought for someone who thought it would be a good idea to unmedicate a lunatic. Exactly. So that was another misstep. Again, misstep, haha. But uh, just sort of like, I didn't think that they'd have the wherewithal to do that. So thinking about it afterwards and one of the reviewers because i read a bunch of reviews on this and another reviewer said you're never going to get all your questions answered that that's not what the movie's for so maybe i am being too nitpicky there but it was something that bothered me and i thought about it for a while because we thought "Ooh, spooky and then realized no it's just the kids being assholes well wait a second then how did that happen you know and again was it really there? So we could make a case for were they really there or was Grace hallucinating? So, yeah. so okay, I'm willing to answer my own question with, okay, it's possible that Grace was hallucinating those because we don't see them any other time, like in the daytime afterwards. But it just, it was an irritation, a minor irritation. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. all I've got for bads because they were just, it was just too good a movie to have too many bads. Agreed. Yeah. John, any more bads? No, not really. Yeah, it, was, uh, it was just a pretty solid movie. Agreed. And uh, my only what the fuck was, I know kids will make some bad decisions, but fucking really? God. Like, I mean, like this was just fuck. This dude, wasn't just like, ooh, a little bit of, uh, you know, some skylarking or whatever the fuck they're going to or, or shenanigans. This was just full on, like, we are going to kill someone for a prank. Like well, it's just it's just that level of like oh I thought it would be fun because I thought we'd get away with it, especially after this lady risked her fucking life to yeah. save that girl, you know, yeah. <laughs> like damn near drowned, you know, and, and mm-hmm. you know kind of like hypothermia, you know. Uh, God, I didn't even bring that up. But. Yeah, this woman nearly died in front of us while trying to help us. Maybe we should call off the prank. Like no, 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 we're going to full throttle on this bitch. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. God, all sorts of fucked, man. How dare she make us feel feelings? We're going to punish her. Yeah, (laughs) just at a point where it looked like, you know, she's starting to connect with Mia. And then she's like, oh, here, let me show you this video of our mom, who we obviously love more. And, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) She'll never be you and you'll never be her. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't have a what the fuck. I mean, every what the fuck was... A, a, an astonishing moment in the movie. It wasn't a, oh, well, that was stupid or anything like that. There are way too many what the fucks for the previous movie, so I guess I used them all up for that one. <laughs> yeah. This one well, was just, wow, I can't believe this happened. Like, seeing Richard get shot in the head, not expecting that. It was bookended between mom shot herself in the head, Richard got shot in the head. It's like, what's going on with the head shooting? <laughs> you know? But it was beautiful beautifully bookended it just it just fit so every intake of breath of a holy shit sort of situation was extremely well thought out by the writers and i have no notes yeah i have to wonder if this movie was trying to give uh if this movie was somehow a uh, political commentary on america saying like you know what maybe in a land full of guns you should look after the mentally ill a bit more Mm -hmm. subsidized Mm -hmm. medical care because this is what happens when you have mentally unstable people around firearms. <laughs> and you're not going to get rid of the firearms. So maybe you should just make sure everyone is properly medicated and therapized. 
Is that mm-hmm. is that the proper word for It's you not, know? but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I go get myself therapized. <laughs> yeah. We're well, not getting rid of that gun. It's a family heirloom, remember? <laughs> yeah. If you're not getting rid of the guns, make sure you at least give them proper mental health care. Because this the is what guns, happens when you yes. don't. <laughs> yep. Give all the guns the proper health care they need. And I guess now we can take it to the kill of the week. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting ones, but I got to give it to Richard losing the game of Russian roulette. (laughs) That he didn't know he was playing (laughs) until the end. (laughs) He just saw the lady put the gun to her head, click the trigger and just thought, oh, okay, the barrel is empty. I don't know what she's been doing, but, you know, at least I'm. Yep. (laughs) Thought he could resolve yet another problem with an hysterical woman. It's like, if I, I tell her to calm down, that'll do it. That'll totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it's the first, the first kill that was so shocking that I was not expecting it at all. Honestly, you don't expect an A-list actress, as far as I'm concerned, an A-list, maybe A-, uh, to essentially <laughs> off herself in the first five minutes of the film. And it was just done so, it was crafted so well was done so economically we've talked about it earlier it just it was so shocking and that to me is my kill for sure i think we, we we've got a uh, a former a-lister here how how long how much can we afford to have her on set we can only afford to have her on the set for like a day and the director's like don't worry i got a plan <laughs> <laughs> we got i got you fam i got you <laughs> okay so john what's your kill uh it's not really much to choose from is there um well i guess we'll just yeah i guess we'll go with uh you know what there's oh, the poppy it's... there's poor grady there's oh, grace of sanity the heaven's heaven's gate cult yeah yeah right uh well i guess yeah that's because maybe you could count that in there uh yeah i you know what yeah actually because kind of hearkening back to the you know the the film grain i I feel like the presentation of all the cult members um laying there dead uh was really unsettling just because Mm -hmm. of well the presentation of it and the fact that you don't really see their faces you just see the feet and it reminds me a lot of the um plus it's what set grace on her path in the first place yeah, she, she wouldn't be a broken woman if it wasn't for these people. So well, it, it definitely the, could be a the death that really the death that started everything. Yes. Yeah, it, it's the instigating incident. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, the well. Okay, you know that story that like okay, you guys, you know, you know, Geraldo Rivera, right? Yeah, Geraldo Rivera. Yeah, Al, so Al the, mm-hmm. yeah, and he also, if I remember correctly, I think. Or it was maybe either him or John Stossel. I'm trying to remember what thing. Uh, but I think it was Geraldo, Geraldo, uh, where he covered that asylum that was in New York State that got shut down. But they did this like expose on it. They went inside and they they had this like footage there of all these um, you know mental asylum patients being treated horribly. Like it was like you know like a fucking. I, I don't know, like, like an like asylum, living in Amer- in. like an asylum. <laughs> yeah, well, and how they used to do them, especially in the seventies, and they're still pretty bad now. But I mean, 
especially how it was then. I forget what the name of the asylum was, but it was a place for like children and it looked like they were just living in like just squalor, like it was in the oh, sewers. Goodness. But the this the way that video looked um, in that news uh, broadcast, it, it reminded me a little bit of that in the uh, in the presentation of this, and then obviously you know the inspiration from Heaven's Gate. Um, I don't know; it's just really disturbing. I think you know again, just with the the old camera lens and, and just how it's shown, it, it just. It's just eerie, you know? It's like that kind of stuff, like, if you watch that in a room, just, you know, pitch black by yourself on an old TV set looking at that, it's just... Yeah, it was disturbing and well done. Yeah, exactly. So, I I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll put that as my kill of the week there. Okay. Yeah. So, now the rating, and I'm going to give this four frozen puppies out of five. Okay, it it's a it's a good Christmas bummer movie. If you thought Silent Night just had too many people in it, <laughs> yeah. but you but you still wanted to have like the the morbid specter of something just broken and damaged in in everyone with with the isolation, then uh, you know the lodge is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you have uh, you've turned me off from Hush Puppies. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, you know, we have slush puppies in uh, Canada, at least. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, basically, it's like chopped up ice with uh, with flavoring in the water. Mm-hmm. It's a Slurpee. Yeah, it's a Slurpee. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it'll be a well, well, I think it's been a few years since I tried a slush puppy, and it'll be a few more thanks to this movie. <laughs> well, I'm so, going to also give it a four out of five, but I'm going to give it four out of five creepy bomb dolls. because that doll I was sure was haunted in some way or another, but no, it was just, it was a doll is just a doll. A cigar is just a cigar. So yeah, no Annabelle, (laughs) no Annabelle. Sometimes, sometimes a cigar is a dick. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes the children are the dicks. So in this case, that's what happened. Oh, Oh, Indeed. So, John. Oh, um, well, we're going to say, uh, yeah, I'm going to give this a five uh, broken crucifixes. Well, I guess fallen crucifixes out of five. Nice. Um, you know, this is just a movie that will uh, stick in my memory for years to come. It'll definitely be haunting me for at least another week or so as they think about it more. Um, definitely a movie too. Cause I love to watch like movie analysis on YouTube. Uh, I'm definitely going to look up some stuff about this. Uh, I'd love to hear what people smarter than me have said about it. Um, and you know, it's just, it's great acting. Uh, and you know, it's, if you're looking for something that is a slow burn and it's, you know, it's psychological, it's a character study, and um, and keeps you guessing. This is just definitely right up your alleyway, you know. It's 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 just a good testament to where you can have a, um, you can have a horror story and have good writing in it, too, and strong characters. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, so... 
you know, check out the lodge. If if Silent Night still left you with a little bit of Christmas cheer, and you just thought I'm a little too happy and festive, then you know, <laughs> take up the lodge. That'll that'll help take out. That'll help smooth over that uh, that illustrious perky shine that you that you're trying to get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be finishing the Chris Massacre with Violent Night because we keep hearing good things about that movie. And you know what? It's been a well. Like, we, we had a, a shitty killer Santa. It'd be good to have a good killer Santa, because, you know, there have been some great killer Santas in this, especially if you watch, like, Santa's Slay. That movie is fucking epic in its just brutal comedic violence. Did you uh, review that one last year? Uh, it was a uh, maybe two or three years ago. Okay. But uh, it had Goldberg as Santa. Oh, boy. <laughs> and the best part is, like, Santa is actually a demon that has been forced to be good for a thousand years. Oh, my. And this is year 1001. Uh-huh. The bet is the bet is done, and we finally get to meet the real Santa. More Krampus than Santa? Oh, fuck. This, um, ah. The, the best part about this movie is that, like, there's, like, a, a massacre in a, a stripper club. Okay. And the best part is uh, his wife was one of the stunt women, or like one of the stunt strippers. Oh, boy. For the massacre. Oh, so that's how he met her. Oh, so He's she wasn't his wife at the time. No. That he, okay. he He just happened to meet a stunt woman who's like bare naked, and she's like, all right, so you're going to stab me in the tits and blah, 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 then I'm going to fall over. And, and so they're just going over all this. And he was just – apparently he was just so perplexed. He's just like, no, this isn't going to hurt you, is it? And like he was just such like a gentle soul about like – you know, we're going to be doing all this, but like, are you sure you're going to be okay? Okay, so yeah, you've done this before. And so he, like, she was just so, like, happy with his concern for her that they ended up just hitting it off. And, you know, as far as I know, they're still married to this day. So imagine that you get to, you, you got to meet your wife by, it's like, what's your love story? Well, I slammed your mom's head into a, into a bar and <laughs> slid and, and slid it across the end of the bar until there was nothing but a skull left. Oh. And you know we, we've we've just been together since. It was love at first smack. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that to, to know that there's such a beautiful love story in, in this movie of just unrepentant savage violence <laughs> with great comedy as well the opening scene like the cold open is santa comes down the roof and kills a family and there's so many good actors in this scene it's like a-list actors but then the rest of the movie is a bunch of nobodies like they just went nuts for the opening they've got fran drescher oh boy and james Kahn. oh in the opening in the opening scene and just brutalized them Oh yeah, he, he I, there was other people as well. Like none of them come to mind, but you know the fact that they were able to get like some actual A-listers, like big names, That's and they just Sandy just fucking lays waste to them. Then he ends up terrorizing the rest of the small town, and it's like the soundtrack is good, the special effects are great. Goldberg's personality as just a psychotic demon just fucking ravaging a town. His outfit looks great. It really is a high recommend if you just want some psycho killer 
ho, 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 then, yes. then that the Santa sleigh is definitely one to watch. As well as, uh, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2, which is just one with a little bit of extra frosting on it. <laughs> and I mean that literally. I, it, the Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is literally half of Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 in, in flashbacks. Oh, boy. Because it takes place with someone else who was around during the events. Although it's showing flashbacks to things that that person wasn't around for. It's like they, it's like they only shot half a movie. Now, it's a good half a movie. But they really thought we can't have a 40 minute movie. So they just took the previous movie and just had it all show up as flashbacks for basically the first half of the movie with a little bit of like present day stuff. And then about 40 minutes in, then you're all caught up on the flashbacks. Then it does its own movie, which is great, entertaining, stupid, like so bad it's good greatness. So it's either lazy or efficient genius. It's both. It's somehow both. Economical. It's an economical. <laughs> yeah. Genius. I wouldn't say it's lazy. It's like the budget ran out halfway through. So, yeah. you know, piracy is the mother of invention. Absolutely. Well, and imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So there you go. <laughs> Let's just yes. rehash this thing. We'll just repackage it. Yeah. So <laughs> if you've seen like the first Silent Night Deadly Night 1, then you can like fiddle around on your phone for half of the movie but then put it down <laughs> for the second half or you can just not watch it and watch the first and watch Silent Night Deadly Night 2 and get the highlights from that movie sure why not yeah but, right uh, let's just say that uh, I am the IMDB trivia for Silent Night Deadly Night 2 actually has a counter or a, a count for how many times the protagonist wiggles his eyebrows oh really so not just a death count but eyebrow wiggling Yes, and it's in the triple digits. Oh my god. <laughs> and remember, he's only in the second half of the movie. <laughs> and he managed to nail triple digit eyebrow wiggles. Well, you know, if you've got to be known for something, eyebrow wiggles is the thing. <laughs> the, well, the, the story behind that is because the producer, the director, and the writer all told this poor 20-year-old actor different directions on how to portray because I think the writers just like, be angry. The director said, be nutty. And the producer said, listen, you're playing this seriously, okay? You're a guy in a, in a mental spiral, so you got to be serious. Oh so he's got three people that can each decide whether he gets fired or paid, <laughs> telling him what to do. So he just decides, fuck it, I'll do all three at all times. <laughs> and that came out as an eyebrow wiggle. Oh, among other things. Like uh, like the facial expressions, <laughs> it's just fucking, it's definitely worth watching. Like, you will shit yourself laughing. It is fucking wild. <laughs> and, and, you'll, and you'll never look at Garbage Day the same way again. Oh, 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 oh. oh, oh dear. No. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're looking for cheerful, hilarious murders, then, you know, you can check out those recommendations. But if you want the, if this is the, if you want the Christmas of glum then you can just check out what we've been reviewing on this. But uh, we're going to try to perk things up with a with the Violent Night movie. But, uh, yeah, there's plenty of good Killer Santa movies. Rare Exports and uh, Mercy Christmas are both excellent ones as well. So we've, we've had some shitty ones, which I'm not going to promote on this podcast because, you know, fuck, we've seen so many. But, you know, we've also seen some good ones. So that's why we keep on doing the Christmas Massacre, because every now and then we discover some some great... Shit. And then mostly just regular shit. <laughs> but you know it's all about discovery and that's what that that's what the spirit of the season is. 
Absolutely. Yeah, buddy. So we'll see you at the end of the Chris Massacre. But until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm John. And I'm Alicia. And thank you for joining us for the Gris for the Chris Massacre on the Graveyard Shift. The Graveyard Shift is a Strange Biscuits production. Visit our website at strangebiscuits.com slash graveyardshift to hear all of our previous episodes. Subscribe to us, rate, and review us on CastBox, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our Instagram at The Graveyard Shift Pod, as well as our Facebook at The Graveyard Shift Pod. Our Twitter is GS underscore Horror Pod. And if you wish to support the show financially, visit us at patreon.com slash graveyard. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help support the show and get bonus content. The theme for The Graveyard Shift is As Brutal As It Ever Was by Technoaxe. Visit their website at technoaxe.com and their YouTube channel for more royalty-free music. Thank you for listening, and as always, stay spooky. Absolutely. All right, I'm back. Yay! I was entertaining Hello. John with Burning Man stories. I was thinking about that. Like, I wonder what they're saying about me. If they if they forgot I'm recording it, then I can uh, see no, what they said. Oh, Captain back. Narcissist, don't you worry. We weren't <laughs> talking about you. Why not? <laughs> <laughs>